Welcome to the Empowered Homes Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to be a resource to connect church and home by growing strong families. Hey, this is Bobby Cooley. We are going to answer the question, what is Empowered Homes or what are Empowered Homes and why we're doing what we're doing. And today on the show, we have Pastor Ryan Rush, um, the lead pastor, senior pastor at Kingsland Baptist Church. He is going to be sharing just his heart and uh, he loves, lives and breathes family ministry and equipping parents and connecting church and home. And we're going to hear his heart, just a little bit about his story. The guy was uh, music minister at the age of 15 and uh, just never never looked back. He's been uh, reaching and going after families uh, for his whole ministry career and empowered homes. Uh, a lot of years of him investing in families. And so this is just a uh, testimony to this podcast, to our empoweredhomes.org, to everything that we have from his leadership. So uh, you'll be blessed. It's really encouraging to understand that an empowered home is nothing catastrophically different than what we're already doing. We're just trying to be more intentional with what we're doing in our homes. And so hope you enjoy. If you have more questions or want more uh, information, you can go to empoweredhomes.org. So Ryan, welcome. Man, glad to be here. I'm so excited about this podcast and what it means. I'm excited about what's happening around the country with leaders who are getting excited about what it means and parents and everything else. I, I think that, I think we're on to something, Bobby. Yeah. It's super exciting. Just, uh, knowing, uh, that, that God established the family first, right. And we'll talk more about that, but sure. how do we empower the homes in our churches to be the center of gospel transformation and, uh, really exciting. And uh, Ryan, before we get going, let's just tell me about your family. Tell me about, you know, just a little bit about you and upbringing, yeah. those who've never heard the name Ryan Rush. Who yeah. are you, man? Lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what? I grew up in a great family. In fact, my mom and dad are actually members of our church. First time in my life, having served my whole adult life in, in uh, ministry, uh, they're, they're members. and That's really cool. So uh, really, really neat couple it's part of our congregation. So um, I, I was blessed to be blessed growing up. Mm. Uh, I have been married to Lana for 27 years, and uh, just a, a, such a blessing as well. We have three daughters, all girls at the Rush House, no stinky boys at our place, uh, Riley, Reagan, and Lily. Now, Riley is 25, uh, Reagan's 23, and Lily is 12. Turns twenty three. I mean, turns, <laughs> turns thirteen in a couple of weeks. It feels like yeah. that sometimes. So uh, yes, there's a little bit of a gap there. That's uh, that's been our adventure. But also, Lily has special needs, and mm. so she's nonverbal, has a rare uh, genetic disorder and autism. But just delightful kid, um, and uh, we're, we're blessed by our family. Man, so so yeah, good, the whole gamut. So good, and and you know, we'll just jump right into sure. this. It is no secret if you spend any time with this man, it's no secret that you're passionate about connecting church and home. Where does that passion come from? Was there a moment where God just said, "This is what I want you to be about"? That's a good question. I don't know if there's one moment where I was just enlightened by this. A part of it came from growing up in a family that wasn't perfect, but a great family where it mattered. So I got some of these things that 
that uh, really made an impact. But I tell you, I, was, I, I came to faith in Christ when I was 11. And by 13 years old or so, I really felt like God was calling me to full-time vocational ministry. And anybody who has a 13-year-old at home knows how crazy that is. Yeah. So I, I spent about a year... Uh, starting at age 14, praying about that. I shared it with my pastor and then my parents. And then when I turned 15, I shared it with my local church. And, um, and then I went and after I surrendered to full-time ministry, found a church that called me as minister of worship. Now think about that. I'm 15 years old, had to go get my hardship driver's license to get to church, to get to work. That's wild. All through high school, I was the minister of worship at this little church. And so um, at that time, the reason I tell that story is it's a little bitty. I mean, you can imagine how small a church is that calls a high school kid. Um, but we had maybe 40 people at Easter, most Sundays 25. And there was no youth ministry, no children's ministry, no programs to speak of. The old generation spoken to the younger generations and vice versa. Uh, the parents were the primary faith trainers of their kids because there was no program otherwise. Yeah. And so a lot of things were just natural that I took for granted. So as I grew in ministry, I went to college, went off to seminary, the, the larger the churches got, it seemed like programming started to replace that natural element. I wasn't against programming, but it was replacing something that it couldn't replace, you mm. know, with moms and dads. And so I just really, especially, I guess, for the first few years in youth ministry, spent some years there, I realized there's only so much I can do because God has ordained mom and dad to do this. And if I can equip the parents, then this could be better. Yeah. And so uh, kind of the rest is history. From there on, I've been focused on, on family ministry for the last 25 years. Wow. And, and, you know, just knowing your passion and, and part of why, you know, I feel God called me here is because I have that same, that same that. heart and same, yeah. same desire. Um, so when you look at one of our core values as a church of empowered homes mm-hmm. and, and this podcast and everything that we're trying to do to help churches empower the homes, like if someone were to ask you, okay, what, what is an empowered home? Like, how would you answer that? Right. So, Bobby, in our staff meetings, you know, one of the most common phrases is, listen, the parents are the A team and we're the B team. So we know that in Deuteronomy 6 and really Ephesians 6, it's clear that God has ordained first the parents as the primary faith trainers. It doesn't mean that the church doesn't play a very vital role, but the most important role that the church plays is to help cultivate strengthen the family so that parents can do the job that they were ordained to do. And so the reason that's so important without getting in the weeds is we're made in the image of God. You look at Genesis 1, he made us in in his image, in his likeness, it says. So in other words, we've been given the capacity to reflect the attributes of God in some measure. We're not God, but God's faithful. We can be faithful. He's gracious. We can be gracious. He's good. We can be good. He's holy. He's holy. Uh, all these things we can we can exemplify. The next thing he does is create the family. And so, first of all, the the primary way we know this naturally, the first way we think of God is usually how we think of our parents, whether that's good or bad. Some people yeah. have to unlearn a lot of stuff. But likewise, through the rest of Scripture, God manifests Himself. He demonstrates Himself in family terms. You know, we know yeah. Him as God the Father. We know Jesus is God the Son. We know the church is the bride of Christ. We know 
salvation as adoption, as sons and daughters. So if you start messing with the family, it changes your whole frame of reference. So when we empower homes, we're saying we want to make sure we raise the level of what's happening here, not only so we can equip moms and dads to do what they do best, but also because that's where theology is developed, whether we like it or not. Yeah. And for those who come from difficult situations, that's where they need to unlearn some things so that they can understand sound doctrine. Mm. So hearing you, would you say that um, part of empowering homes, like the, the number one building block in that would be investing and equipping parents? Investing and equipping parents, uh, inspiring them sometimes to understand that they can. Uh, it, a big part of that also, by the way, is helping moms and dads undo some of the hangups that they have. I started to use the word walls because yeah. that's what, and I wrote a book on that or strongholds, which is just yeah. a fancy term, but that we have these, these false beliefs that are left over from some of our own things that happen in our upbringing that we have to say, okay, we've got to address this yeah. so that we can be better parents, understanding that it's a generation to generation thing. So empowering homes sometimes isn't just saying we're going to equip them. Sometimes it's, we're going to give them the tools they need to heal. Yeah. And one of the things I say often to parents is you can't disciple your kids if you've never been discipled. Right. And so yeah. part of our role as the church is to walk alongside them, but disciple them to help them process and unlearn some of those things that yeah. are holding them back to really, uh, you know, the parent who's afraid they're going to mess up or they don't know what to say or mm-hmm. how do I do this? How do I disciple? And a lot of times it, it starts with them. It starts yeah. with them understanding their identity in Christ. Right. They can't pour out anything that's not there. Right. right? And so as a church, it's imperative for us to help disciple our adults so that it happens at home. Right. Yeah. And, and let me just add, even though I know I'm, I'm stuck on this one question, I know you no, have other questions. This is, this is big is in order to empower homes, we've got to give moms and dads the win that's, that's not overwhelming. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be that hard. It, yeah. it, it, God didn't intend for it to be that way. So, for example, we talk a lot about meaningful mealtimes. We challenge our people all the time to, to enjoy five meaningful mealtimes a week with the ones they love. So if that's a single adult at home, she still needs to find someone, three or four others to share a meal time with because that's important community. For mom and dad with kids at home, that's a study after study shows even that can make a huge difference. That's an easy, not an easy win, but it's an intentional win that can yeah. make a difference. Uh, we, we're going to give them the tools for uh, celebration of specific milestones. We're going to give them the tools to have faith talks with their kids, which are just oftentimes just a few questions, just to go over some things and say, what do you think about this? So empowering homes is, is not just saying, okay, we're going to back up the truck and give you all this stuff. Yeah. We don't want to overwhelm people. Yeah. It's just to say, let me help you be intentional about what matters most. Yeah, and a lot of times in church and ministry, you, you know, we say, parents, you're the A-team, and, yeah. and ministry leaders will take that as a, whew, I don't have to do anything. But it, yeah. it even, I would argue we have to do more. Right. We have to do more to make those connections at home. How do we look at our children's ministry and, and every program, every event, how do we look at our student ministry, every program, every event, how do we take those things that we're doing here on right. campus or away or whatever, how do we get that back home? Mm-hmm. And that takes more work, right? It, it's even, sure. it's a little bit more difficult to to empower the home and have strategy more than just having a bunch of willy-nilly programs. That's good. And an, yeah. another part of, that involves more work is saying no to some things. Yeah. So th- sometimes that's really tough for yeah. a church leader to say, say, we can't do everything. Because if we fill up the whole calendar, 
then we're actually asking our parents and our families to not be home together. Mm. So part of it is to say, we can't do everything. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, having meaningful meal times and, and mm-hmm. surrounding and capturing the uh, milestones, those use, leveraging those for discipleship. Right. Uh, another thing we talk about is uh, uh, the God moments that yeah. we're, those are unplanned, unscripted times where God just kind of lays himself into the home. That's right. And we uh, challenge parents to just capture those, to be sensitive to those. Can you speak into that a little bit? Yeah, and this is going to be great news for some parents because when they think, okay, I've got to have this plan and this list and all that, I would say, and you can't put a number on it, but 80 to 90% of the most impactful things you're going to do with your kid are going to be by accident. Mm -hmm. They're just going to be along the way. If you look at Deuteronomy 6, this command of the Israelites, and he says, Hear, O Israel, the the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You're to write these uh, commands on your heart. And, and then he says, you're to teach them diligently to your children. But then he says, when you walk along the way, when you sit at home. Yeah. And he gives all these examples of just everyday life. And that's what happens. As long as you're aware and you're intentional about it, you're driving down the road. You have that time every day. So you start building into little yeah. scripts into your life or things you're going to say, what you can talk about. When our older girls were younger, we had a common practice when we had dinner or we'd have what we call sticky situations. I think there was a book by that name. It's probably still out there if you look on Amazon. But really what we'd do, sometimes we made up our own. We'd say, girls, you know, they're like first grade, third grade, something like that. All right, you're spending the night with some friends, and somebody breaks out a six-pack of beer. Says, oh, I, I snuck this out of my dad's fridge. What are you going to do? And they're looking at us like, this would never happen. We're like, <laughs> okay, but just let's say. And so... But they'd say something simple. Well, I'd say no. Okay, what if they make fun? And the whole reason we do that is just, it's just, we're just trying to think of case studies. It wasn't that complicated. They looked forward to it. Yeah. But then years later, they, they were oftentimes, they'd come home and say, it happened. Yeah. It really happened, just like you said. And we, we, we'd already replayed this. Yeah. So it's, it's simple stuff like that. Um, when I used to drop the girls off at school, that was a part of my, you know, dad, not responsibilities, but my privilege, our routine. They got used to it, but every day I'd get there and say, Riley, remember what I asked you to do today. What's your job? Mm. You know, I'd say the same thing to Reagan. And so I'd sound real official. They knew what I was doing. And they'd say, change the world. And I'd say, yeah, that's it. I'm just asking one thing. That's what your job is before you come home today. Change the world. So I'm just, I'm speaking in something simple, but I'm letting them know God has equipped you to look outwardly, missionally at the world. Yeah. And stuff like that. And simple for uh, me and my kids, I walk them to school every day and, uh, on the way, uh, I want them to have a heart of gratitude. I don't want them to be selfish and spoiled brats. And so every day I ask them, hey, tell me one thing you're thankful for. It's awesome. Or, yeah. or tell me someone you're thankful mm-hmm. for. And every day, uh, get sometimes I get the same stuff and, you know, there's nothing profound day by day. But then yeah. my daughter will say, I'm thankful that you spent time with me playing Legos last night. Like she thought about that. And it, it, it just she's thinking about all the things around her that's beyond herself. And so uh, it, it's, it's not uh, adding one more thing to your already busy, crazy calendar as a parent. Uh, I know we're overwhelmed. It's just being intentional in the everyday rhythms of yep. life of uh, what do you do in the car? How do you have those conversations? Bedtime being very intentional of, uh, of just communicating to your kids and, and, uh, doing all these things. And so for us, we talk about habits. And one of the things that we often get asked um, 
is, okay, so we want to do all these things. We want yeah. to empower homes. How do we measure that? Like w- parents actually doing it, mm-hmm. how do we see it? Like what does that right. look like? Right, and, and it's important not because we want it to be regimented, but because we want to at least have a way to look back and say, okay, are we, are we doing this? Even though it's natural, yeah. it needs to be intentional because we all know situations probably in our own lives, but at least in others where you look back and said, man, we meant to have dinner together. We meant to do this. And I, I wish we had that time back. Mm. So we want to make the most of every opportunity, as Paul says in Ephesians. Uh, one way to do that, we talk about sometimes, at least behind the scenes, the home acrostic. So H stands for hold to the habits. Yeah, Habits are real simple. You already mentioned that. I think there's a, those are helpful to parents because they're not something that you have to check a box. They just become a part of life. Yeah. You know, Rest is the first habit. Have you had some time just to get away with the Lord today? Have you showed your kids that the TV can turn off and you can just have some quiet moments before the Lord? The O is on the table. We already talked about that. The M is mark the milestones. So are we taking advantage of the milestones in our lives? Not only the ones, we have some built-in ones here that um, have been here for a long time. Pastor Brian Haynes uh, has helped to implement those and uh, we do them a little bit differently, but I, I love what uh, Brian Haynes has done. You can learn more online about that. Yeah. And then the E, engage beyond the home. That's one of the, um, I think, or, or rather the go is the, the last habit. It's also the, the E in, yeah. in the acrostic. So, so they, we need to go. We need to move outside of our comfort zone and love other people and engage in community, right? And so that, that's, that's it. We have the habits, uh, hold of the habits, own the table, mark the milestones, engage beyond the home. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we when we do these things, now we can look back and say, hey, how's it going? That's what I love, incidentally, about the mealtime, because I think it's so tied in intricately with all these things. When I look at my own life rhythms and most families, when the mealtimes go away, a lot of times that's a good like thermometer yeah. of how we're really being intentional with our kids. So we can go back there and vice versa. When we do have five meaningful mealtimes a day or a week, not a day, that'd be a lot of eating. <laughs> yeah. If we have five meaningful mealtimes a week, now you have a built-in way to speak to your kids. I mean, it just, it happens naturally. So you have the questions, you have all these things. So if you just commit to that, it's amazing how all these other things play into it, right? So that, if yeah. I was to reduce yeah. to one scorecard, how's your meal times with your kids? Yeah. It's, it sounds so easy, but it's so yeah. profound. Right. And even thinking of my own life and my family, like when stress and anxiety is at, at a high and, you know, maybe marriage is, we're not communicating well, I can use that as a barometer to be like, man, we're, we're not, we're, we're crazy. We haven't sat down as a family just to, to talk and eat, eat together. It's, it's good. It's easy, uh, uh, measurable for that. Um, you know, one of the things we have here at Kingsland is, um, man, we have a, a big vision. You have a big vision as you lead our staff and our, our church uh, of reaching 10,000 homes. Yeah, we all do. Yeah. Um, can you just tell us what what does that mean, to reach 10,000 homes? Well, I'll tell you what it doesn't mean, first of all. It doesn't mean that we're trying to have 10,000 households at Kingsland. Yeah. That's not the goal. Uh, God can do that however he wants to do that. Our goal is to see 10,000 homes transformed. And that means 10,000 homes where it's not just, okay, we really care about the family, or, oh, we're going to join a church. 
but where all of a sudden the gospel becomes manifest in that family such that we're not just raising smart kids, we're raising kids with an outward focus on the world, moving in the direction of hurting people that understand their place because our homes are gospel-centered and something magnificent happens. So we've seen some examples of that. But what that means also is that I believe if if some other churches, God's already raising up these churches. It's oh, yeah. not we we haven't cornered the market on this, and I'm so grateful. God's doing so, a work, I think, in churches around the country in this way, where we're speaking into this, and homes start to happen. I don't think anybody listening would argue that our nation is in crisis. Mm. I mean, it's at least in some measure. Uh, I was thinking the other day about right before the Second Great Awakening, 1790. We just finished the Revolutionary War. The United States was a mess. And when people say, it's never been worse than it is now, uh, it was worse then. I yeah. mean, when the, when the vice president shoots the former secretary of the treasury and kills him, that's pr- probably pretty bad. I mean, politically, yeah. okay? When uh, it, it, it's just, you go on and on. The, the, the percentage, if you look at any of the history of uh, those who were uh, addicted to alcohol at the time was incredibly you know, sad, uh, sexual assault was rampant when you read some of those things. There's a lot of times you don't read. It's just a really tough time. Churches are empty. Uh, the, the, the colleges have kind of forsaken God. Uh, that might sound familiar to some. Mm. You know, and, and in the midst of this, God brings about this uh, revival through prayer. Now, when I look at what's happening in our age and our time, there's a lot of parallels, but what I really see is this head-on attack, this frontal assault by the enemy on our families. And I really think in order for revival to come, there has to be transformation that happens in the home, Yeah, in the home. And so the reason 10,000, I think it is a number that God put on our hearts to pray toward, but it feels as though 10,000 homes is a tipping point. Mm. You know, if there's 10,000 homes in our land that really are set on fire about what the Lord's doing. And not just, yes, I want them to attend church. It's going to be a part of it. That's, yeah. that's one of the habits. You know, we gather. But it's more than that because we're pouring into the next generation in these intentional ways. Then I don't think it stops at 10,000. Mm. Then it becomes 10,000 uh, times 10. But that's the reason for that. We're, we're, we're asking God to raise up these, these homes mm. that are transformed by the power of the gospel. It's so good. And when the gospel is transforming inside the home, the beautiful thing is it's seen and felt by the neighbors yeah. next door. And yeah. um, that's, man, that's, that's something to, to rally behind. And, and like you said, it's not about getting 10,000 people on a church campus. It's no. about, it, it's, a, it's kingdom work. Right, it's, it is kingdom work. Yeah. And speaking of that, here's what's really interesting about the family and, and uh, connecting church and home. There are people listening who may be from totally different religious backgrounds, and they may disagree with the whole idea that the world needs Jesus at this point. I understand that. Okay, I, 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 I believe with all my heart, as sure as I'm in front of you right now, that Jesus is the only hope for the world. But everybody listening, I've never met a person who didn't believe that the family was important. Mm. Who didn't believe the family was important for their own frame of reference, their, their the challenges they're facing right now, everything else, but also that the family is important for the future of the health of the land of any country. And so this is a bridge yeah. to our culture today that uh, for a lot of people has kind of forsaken or walked away and said, I, I'm not really interested in that. Everybody cares about the family. You can't care deeply about the family without saying why. And it comes back to this image of God thing. Yeah. 
That's good. Yeah. That's good. So if you're listening um, and, and you're, you're wanting more information on Empowered Homes, we have uh, empoweredhomes.org where we have resources of all the habits that we talked about and the milestones that we've talked about and all these things. Uh, so be sure and go through uh, the website. Uh, if you have any questions, you can email info at empoweredhomes.org. Pastor, thank you for your heart and thank you for your leadership. We're excited to see what God's going to do. Man, I'm right with you. I'm excited. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to the Empowered Homes podcast. For more content and information to connect church and home, please visit empoweredhomes.org.